Mark chapter 2. And this is the story of the healing of a man who was paralyzed. And um, a paralytic person uh, is a person who loses muscle function, either part of their body or their whole body, because there's a disconnect uh, between their brain and their muscles. So the muscles are not able to respond to the signals of the brain, and it can be, it can be a result of um, things like uh, illness, accident, uh, poison, um, that, that can cause a person just to lose their ability to move. In fact, uh, as you know, a paraplegic is a person who can't move any part of their body. Uh, so paralysis can be complete or it can be partial. In the story that we are about to read this morning, the para paralysis was total. And in fact, this is the first recorded miracle of Jesus of the healing of a man who was paralyzed. Now, he may have healed other paralytics prior to this, but in God, uh, Matthew, Mark chapter 2, this is the first account of a paralyzed man being healed by Jesus. And this story is found in all four Gospels. So I'll read it to you from Mark chapter 2. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum. Now, Capernaum is not just a, a, a bit of information of a city or a town that he came to. It's extremely significant to the story, and we'll explain that in a little while. And the people heard that he had come home. This was home for Jesus. It was in Galilee. And they gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Jesus is a preacher of the word, and more than that, he is the word. And so we, we love the Bible. The Bible is important. It's God's word to us. But the word points to the word, and the word is Jesus. So we... We looked to him, and he preached the word to them. And some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. And since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it, and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. And when Jesus saw their faith... It doesn't say, well, the paralytic man would have to have cooperated, but it was the faith of these four who did this most marvelous thing that they go up on a house that isn't their house and they dig through the roof. I think most of us would have been disturbed by that, but nobody seemed to bother, be bothered by it. Uh, they were so enthralled with Jesus. So, you, so you're here, and, and, and if it's your house, and you're hearing the scratching going up on the roof, and you're thinking, well, I wonder what that is. But they are so fixated on the word that Jesus was speaking that it, it, they seemed to not notice. When you come face to face with the risen Christ, and Jesus is Lord, and he has his word given to us in the Bible. And, and he comes to us with the preciousness of the gift of life that comes to us through his word, through him. It's like 
it can be so precious to you that you don't notice all the other stuff that might be happening, like somebody digging down through your roof. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? So the religious leaders, um, the teachers of the law, as they're, as they're listening to Jesus say this, they say, this is, this is blasphemous. This is something that is so, so wrong. For him to declare that this man's sins are forgiven. Because the, the Jewish custom and the Jewish religion was you had to go to the priest, you had to go to the temple, you had to offer the sacrifice. And sin came through a religious, or salvation came through a religious system. But here is Jesus independently on his own saying, your sins be forgiven. There's a, a powerful truth there. Uh, and I hope that we all grasp it. We all have sin, we all need forgiveness, and we all have free access to him who has the authority to forgive. And that's Jesus. And immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit uh, that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking this thing, these things? Which is easier to say uh, to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, go take up your mat and walk. So what he's saying is, all right, it's easy to say your sins are forgiven. That's one thing. And you could criticize me for that if you want to. But if I say, take up your mat and walk. Be totally healed from your paralysis. What are you going to say about that? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, take up your mat and go home. <laughs> now, if you were the paralyzed guy, maybe you were born paralyzed. Maybe you had a, a terrible accident whenever you were a, a young child. Maybe some terrible disease uh, came into your body and there was no medical help for you. And you were just, well, you were just um, paralyzed. And everybody else had mobility. Everybody else could go out and, and play games if they, you know, when he was young and he could, he could look out and see all of his friends having all kinds of fun, but he was paralyzed. He was locked into a body that had no life, not in the sense that it could make him mobile, not in the sense that it was fulfilling the purposes for which God gives us bodies, not in the sense where he could be all that God cre created him to be. And let me tell you this morning, there's more kinds of paralysis than physical paralysis. You can have spiritual paralysis. You can have emotional paralysis, mental paralysis. You can have, be paralyzed by fear or uncertainty or doubt or self-loathing. And, and there's just so many things that can grip our lives that cause us to be immobilized, cause us to fall short of all that God has created us to be. 
Sometimes you might wake up in the morning and you're thinking of all of the stresses and the pressures, financial pressures, maybe relational pressures. Maybe there's pressures with your children. Maybe there's problems uh, back home in the Philippines or in Nigeria or India or someplace, uh, other countries where you might be from. And you're thinking uh, it's consuming you and it's, and it's well, it makes you worry and it's, it's so crippling. It so demobilizes a person. It, it so inhibits what life should be and what, what life could be. And so you come to church and, and, you, and you, you, for a while you're able to disengage from all the pressures and the things that are troubling you. And you're able to have some happiness. We sing some happy songs and we listen to the word of God and we share time together. We share fellowship and love and later food. And it's like a little bit of an oasis in the desert, but the desert's just once you leave the parking lot again. Well, <laughs> he got up, he took his mat, and he walked out in full view of them all. He did the impossible. He did that, what every medical doctor and what all medical science said he could not do. He did what no one believed he could do except those four guys that lowered him down through the roof. And Jesus saw their faith. And so why didn't he just respond? Because the, the reason they were doing this was the guy was crippled. But Jesus said to him, your sins are forgiven. Well, uh, if he had been crippled from birth... He wouldn't have had a lot of chance to do a lot of sinning, would he? Like, I mean, at least behaviorally, he might have thought things that were wrong. Why didn't Jesus focus in on the thing that was most important to him? Why didn't he focus in on healing his body and then saying to him, by the way, instead of going home, let me lead you in the sinner's prayer, because that's really the most important. Why didn't he, why did he do it the way he did? And the reason for that is that sin is the big problem, not paralysis. Um, sickness is temporary. Sin can be permanent. Sin is like a river that flows. And it flows into a sea of perdition, a sea of being lost, a sea of coming to eternity without Christ, without salvation. Jesus knew all of that. Jesus could see beyond what we can see in the physical. He saw the eternal issues. He saw the eternal consequences. Now, without the forgiveness of our sins, we're doomed to a life that is a life of being in judgment. Apart from God, doomed to being lost to the lake of fire, to hell, to some of these things that as we read them in the Bible, they seem just so abhorrent to us that that would even be possible. But Jesus sees the issues as they are. 
He sees the issues in our life as they are. He knows that the most important thing for every one of us to resolve is our relationship with Christ, to have our sins forgiven, to have a relationship with him. And so as Jesus looked at the paralyzed man, what was most important was his sin. Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, um, one of the things that we often have in our lives are issues we need God to help us with. And we look at this guy and he says, and, and uh, Jesus seems to be delaying the purpose for which he came. Um, the guy wanted to be healed. The, the stories of Jesus uh, healing the sick. In fact, uh, as you go through um, the story of Jesus in Capernaum, he had done some amazing things. He had healed the centurion's daughter, or rather the centurion's servant. He, he had healed a woman who had an issue of blood. In other words, she had a, an ongoing sore that had been bleeding for 12 years. Uh, Jairus's daughter was dead. And Jesus raised her from the dead. This is all in Capernaum. And two blind men were healed. So, and those are just some of the miracles Jesus did in Capernaum. So there, there was an incredible uh, understanding about the miraculous power of Jesus. And so these guys thought, if we can get this man down there, it'll happen. But it didn't happen. Not right away. There's always a purpose in God's delays. And it's hard for us to understand that. It's hard for us to appreciate that when things don't happen the way we want them, when we need them, the way we're praying for them, that somewhere in God's eternal purpose, there's a reason. And part of that reason is so that we will not lose faith. We will continue to trust. We will continue to believe. The guys might have said, oh, if that's all he's going to do is say forgiveness of his sins, let's take on. We picked up the cot and walked out. But they stayed. They waited until they saw the answer for the reason that they came. And that was the man's healing. Brothers and sisters, hang in there. Don't lose hope. Don't lose faith. Because Jesus is still all he ever was and said he is and forever will be. He is the constant. He is the eternal. We can totally trust him with our lives for our salvation and for our healing. Oh, my, my sister called us on Friday. And uh, she's had so many vertebrae in her back broken over the years. She had a terrible crash about 20 years ago in, a, in, a, in her car, and it broke her neck, it broke her back. Uh, they didn't think she'd ever walk again. And, and uh, she eventually was able to get some of her strength, but her, bo her body was so frail that it would be, she had several vertebrae break. And uh, the, the doctor said she's going to be paralyzed. There's nothing much we can do. But then God did some miraculous things for her. And there were some things that her body started to receive strength again. In fact, the doctors were amazed 
And undoubtedly, unquestionably, there's been a degree of healing in her body that defies what all of, all of the physical realities of, of her uh, spinal column and her nervous, um, all the, the nerves that are going down her spine. But she called me, and next week is her grandson's birthday. Uh, sorry, wedding. And they paid $2,000 to rent a cottage. And she said, Bruce, we just didn't have the money. But now I'm in such pain, I can't move. In fact, it wasn't even her who called me. It was my brother-in-law. And he said, Bruce, will you pray? Uh, Christina is so, so ill. And she passed the, he passed the phone to her, and she was on the phone, and, and uh, she could barely talk. And I prayed with her. And uh, I called, uh, some of you know who Emmanuel is, a doctor in training, uh, getting his license. And, and uh, while, I, while my uh, sister was talking, I felt, call Emmanuel and have him call her and pray. And so he did. And uh, I've asked the prayer group last night to remember her in prayer. But right now it doesn't look like in the natural she's able to go to her grandson's wedding. And her grandson has just graduated from uh, ministry training in a, in a Bible seminary. He has been working as a youth pastor in a, a, a church in Stratford, Ontario. And the, the church has just exploded under his ministry. He's a powerful preacher. And there, there's just been so many kids saved. And, and, uh, and, uh, and, and she, she so wants to be at his wedding. But unless God does a miracle. So why are the delays? What are the purposes in the delays? Why would God not just heal her so she could go to be at her grandson's wedding? Well, I don't know the answers to that. And, it, and I trust that she'll be able to get there. Because she's been a stalwart example of what it is to suffer and yet remain faithful. And so sometimes... That's what, how God uses us. He uses us in the trial as a testimony to his faithfulness, even when there's delays. <laughs> so it says, um, everybody was amazed. Wow. <laughs> it's, I mean, why wouldn't you be? I mean, if you, if you had somebody who was a paraplegic come in here and, and suddenly he just got up and <laughs> go home, I can imagine when he got up off his bed and he went, went home, he, you know, it wouldn't have been like this. It wouldn't have been, we'll see you later. <laughs> he would have been bouncing over everything that was in the room, and including the people. Can you imagine? To be paralyzed and then to be able to walk and jump and the pain gone and the strength come back. The signals from the brain to the muscles are all intact. Whew. And everyone was amazed and they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. We've never seen anything like this. Now, remember those religious guys who were saying, who does he think he is for giving sins? 
But then as you come to the end, it says everybody was praising God, even the critics. Everybody was praising God and, and saying, we've never seen anything like this. Oh, God, send a revival. Cause there to be an awakening in our church, in our town, in our county, in our province, in our nation, where there's all the critics and when there's all of the different ideologies and everything else that is contrary to the word of Jesus, who Jesus is and what he's declared. And, and, and God just caused something that creates a godly amazement once again. And let it begin here. Let it begin in me. Restore to me, O Lord, the amazement of your love for me, of your grace that is bestowed upon me, of your daily provisions for my life. Oh God, help me not just to take things for granted or be apathetic or whatever, but oh God, restore to me that vibrancy, that, that zeal, that excitement of what it means to know him. To, to, to know his presence and to know his love and to know his power. Do you say amen to that? Are you wanting that this morning? Well, um, <laughs> in, in, the, uh, in Luke chapter 5, it says uh, that uh, we have seen remarkable things. It's just, uh, we've seen, they were amazed. But in, in the King James language, it says that we have seen strange things. Now, sometimes the things that God does in us sometimes is a little strange. Now, this is not, I'm not trying to advocate for being weird, uh, because we can do that pretty well without God's help. Um, and... Uh, but you know what? We shouldn't be embarrassed about the phenomenal presence of Jesus. And it may appear to be strange to some folks. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, we're not trying to, we're not advocating strange or weird. But when things happen that the rest don't understand, we don't apologize for it either. And I loved your shout, Chevette. You need to do that again and stir us up in the church to shout with you over the glory and the presence of God. I just was blessed by your joy this morning and your praise. Now, here are all these people, every one of them praising the Lord. And then... In Matthew chapter 11, listen to this very carefully. In chapter 11, verse 23, Jesus said this. Now remember, all the miracles he'd done there, this miracle of the paralytic man and everybody praising and, and shouting, he says this, and you, Capernaum, will you be lifted to the heavens? So he asked them a question. 
You've seen these miracles. You, you've just seen all that I've done and heard the word that I've ministered. And, and so what is that? What is the result of that going to be in your life? Are you going to be lifted to the heavens? And he says, no, you will go down to Hades, to the place of death, to hell. Now, then he says this, for if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Sodom, it would have remained to this day. You remember the story of Sodom, the iniquity that was in that city, the tremendous immorality, and God judged them, and the city was destroyed. But Jesus said to the folks at Capernaum, he said, if the folks in Sodom had seen the miracles that you've seen, they'd still be here today. But you're on your way down. You're losing. You think you're going to the heavens? You're going to the depths of hell. Now, why? Because in other places... In the life of Jesus, people hated him and they, they railed against him and they tried to kill him, and the Romans particularly, but also the Jews. Uh, they were just real. He had to escape for his life so many times. And eventually, of course, they crucified him, but Capernaum was not like that. Capernaum was friendly. Capernaum loved Jesus. They loved the miracles. They loved, they loved showing up where he was. Well, then, if that was the case, why did Jesus say such a thing that he said, no, you will go down to hell? Well, the answer is this. It didn't change them. This whole thing about your sins being forgiven calls upon someone to repent to turn to God, to turn from their ways. But the sin of Capernaum was complacency. Just kind of apathy, apathetic. Just, just wow, 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 wow. Show us more, give us more, more miracles. Oh, wow. Let's go to some other house and see if somebody else can come down through the roof. And, and uh, oh, did you see the, the dead girl that rised? I mean, that, that's over the top. That's over the top. Uh, but it didn't change them. There was no revival. And folks, one of the things that can kill a church, instead of taking it and to, to the ascendancy that God has destined for it, is simply complacency. We've seen miracles, and there's been lots of them here. We've seen the power of God move. We've seen lives changed. But if it's not changing you, and causing you to be devout and pursuing the kingdom of God and the purposes of God, then really, it's actually a vain experience. I don't know of anything that is more striking than those words of Jesus in Matthew 11. In fact, if you go up a few verses before, he talks about other areas that are similar to that. Maybe you're here this morning, and that, that is you. You're a complacent Christian, and you need to just stir up the gift that's in you. 
stir up the passion that God once placed in your life. Maybe you're here and you're paralyzed by sin, by this terrible feeling of guilt. There's something wrong. There's, uh, there's something wrong. And, I, and you say, I need this and I need that. But what you really need is the forgiveness of Jesus. That's what this man needed. Maybe you're paralyzed by fear, uncertainty, paralyzed by some addiction, gambling, pornography, anger. But it could be anything. And it, and it shapes your life. It imprisons you. And it's like to say, if I could be free of this, well, you can. Because Jesus still says, my son, my daughter, your sins be forgiven you. And right here today, right here this morning, you can find Jesus Christ as your Savior. And he can come into your life and displace not just the sin, but the effects of sin. For this man, it was paralysis. For you, it could be something like addiction of some sort or a fear or a phobia of some sort. He is able to set you free.